here's what retailers should really explore. Does it matter if people come together? Does it matter to your brand? And all evidence says that we're seeing that it does. When people get this thing out of a together time that's associated with you, you are going to be more successful. Hello and welcome to the EcomOps podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. My name is Norbert and today we're talking to Mark from uh, Experiences App. This is really a great name uh, for a great tool, Mark. Hi, welcome to the show. Hey, Norbert. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. Tell us a bit more about yourself. What are you doing? What is your app about? Um, how did you came into e-commerce? Well, yeah, so we have been involved in e-commerce and digital things for quite a while. I'm also the CEO of a company called Helpful Human, which is a consulting company. And over the years, we've done a lot of direct-to-consumer commerce. Mostly, we build digital products. So other companies and for ourselves will say, hey, I want a digital app that does something. And so we've been doing a lot of that over the years. A couple of years ago, we said, let's build something for ourselves. We looked around, we thought, hey, what do we love? What are we interested in? And what are the trends that we see? And experiential commerce is huge. Uh, there's a general term called the experience economy. It's sports, entertainment, travel, and dining. It's, it's massive. Uh, of course, it's every stadium event from sports and entertainment, every plane that goes into the sky, every trip people take, and every restaurant meal people have. That's called, that's all lumped into the experience economy. But we were seeing what was happening with these micro businesses um, that, you know, and you could see it on places like Airbnb experiences. You could see businesses just naturally doing it. The long tail, the candle making workshops, the, the um, houseware stores that is starting to do cooking experiences, just kind of naturally meeting the demands of what people really want, which is to gather and have experiences together. And sure, they buy things in the process, but the thing they buy is less important than the memory they make together. And so we know there's a lot of booking tools out there. The world needs another booking tool like it needs another hole in its head. We don't, we don't need more booking tools. But we thought, <laughs> hey, well, what if we... What if we create something that's tuned towards that micro small business who wants to start bringing in the experiential commerce part of things and it's on brand, it's, it's all about them. And so that's where experiences, that's how it came to be. And it's been an interesting experience. Awesome. So how can uh, the Experiences app help me as a store owner? Okay. Well, one of the best ways to answer that is to say, why wouldn't you do experiential commerce? So traditional brick and mortar retail, we envision a store, hopefully in a good location, 
someone comes in, they walk around, they browse what's on the shelf, what's on the table. There's maybe a disinterested teenager behind the register who will help you if you walk up, you buy your thing and you leave. You don't really need to do that anymore because of direct-to-consumer commerce. If, if you need something, if you want a, even a, a mattress, you can even get industrial supplies. It can be shipped to you in a very short amount of time and you never have to leave your computer. So if we believe that increasingly people don't get in their car to buy stuff, why, what gets them out of their homes, out of their offices? It's to create memories. It's to have experiences. And retailers who realize this, either, either intuitively or they hear a podcast like this and say, you know what? That's right. You know, my, my, um, I, have a, I have a bead store, a necklace making supply store, and people just, they're not coming in as much. What should I maybe create some experiences? Should I do some classes? Should I um, create some higher touch experiences around my product? What would happen if I did that? And so here's what, ha- here's what happens. You, as that retailer, become known as the source of education, of good times, of moments with your besties, whatever it is. And that business can form the future of their customer relationship around that. And what we have seen... So for instance, um, imagine a houseware store that says, people are not coming in to buy my candles as much. Or you know, business is okay and I want to accelerate business. What if I create a candle-making workshop and I have an empty vessel on the wall? There's no wax in them. And I have my wicks over here. And then I have a vat of hot wax and I have some scent and maybe some dried flowers and fruit. And I'll charge $50. Maybe a candle is normally $25, but I'll charge $50 for people to come in and do a half an hour candle making experience. What we're seeing is things like that are just exploding. Yeah. Uh, we, and we happen to have a, can, a lot of candle making workshops. So in a nutshell, it increases sales. It increases profit margin. It bolsters their reputation. And I would say this is a little aspirational. It's a public good because what you're doing is giving people a place to come to form positive memories around your product, your business with their friends and family. Awesome. So this means a web store owner would come to your app, install it to the Shopify store and will have um, a book and experiences um, button or how would that work? Yeah, in about five clicks or less, you can add our app to your right now or only integration is with Shopify and Zoom. Uh, you can add uh, experiences to your store. And we, what's happening behind the scenes is we're creating a Shopify product on your behalf. And our experience att- attaches to that. It changes the look, creates a little booking widget. We have various types of booking experiences. It's at your domain. It's, it's uh, on brand. You control the narrative. And it starts to manage your time-based bookings. And awesome. it's, pretty, it's a pretty flexible system. So if I sell, let's say, more uh, expensive goods with your app, I could easily manage uh, a sales call with a, with a, a professional um, a sales agent um, on, on my store um, of, of my team with a customer that wants to learn more um, about mattresses, for instance. 
Yeah, we do have customers that do that. What I would say though, there there are some better tools out there for doing one-to-one appointment making. I think this is this is a key differentiator or something that people need to keep in mind that um, our app is definitely tuned for the kind of scenario where you have you know, 10 or 15 or 25 people coming to a half an hour, hour long or multi-hour time slot to do a thing. Um, I am a surf shop and I want to start to do surfing experiences. I am, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a outdoor experience and I want to start to do a canoe around the slough type of experience. People use it for one-on-one, but there's some really amazing apps out there. One of the things that is really important to remember is anytime you're using a third-party app, typically what happens is that data is not part of your Shopify customer record. So regardless of whether you're using our app or you're saying, hey, we want to use Calendly, which I love Calendly, or I think you use BookMe, which is a great Uh, tool uh, as well. Yeah, Book Like a Boss. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Book Like a Boss. Uh, Those tools are amazing for setting appointments, but what they're not great at is having a unified customer record. And so when you yep. use an app that's built for Shopify, if I if Norbert comes in with a few of his friends and has an experience with my retail store and then ahead of time buys some supplies attached to that time slot, has a great time when they're there and says, "Man, this was amazing. I'm going to I'm going to buy something off the shelf." And then they later buy something, you later buy something from me online. I have this unified customer record where I can start saying, "You know, when people book an experience with me, they are way more valuable as far as customer lifetime value than someone who just randomly finds me through online advertising or a social yeah. media post. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what, what kind of challenges have you noticed uh, for small and medium businesses uh, starting with this year? Is there anything new? Are there regular struggles that you hear from your customers? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we talk to our customers all the time. You know, either something there's a there's a bug that we're fixing, or they're asking for a feature, or sometimes they just need some moral support. Well, obviously, one of the biggest things has been the pandemic. So yeah. we launched this before the pandemic, and people were going gangbusters. We we have customers that do millions of dollars a year through our app, and we have customers who do one or two bookings at a time. What happened was all of it just dropped off like it went off a cliff. And um, you know, uh, we we our billing type is based on their performance, <laughs> so we felt the pain with them. But this year, what it's been about is getting ready for the future and learning about what matters and how to tune their businesses to really enjoy people coming back. And here, the one really encouraging thing, and I think this applies to a lot of industries, is we're asking ourselves, "Wow, are we ever going to come back?" or are people ever going to be comfortable meeting together again? Are people going to want to get into airplanes? And the, the reality is, is people just, if they want anything, people desperately want to be together. They want yeah, to have absolutely. experiences together. And I, that's, that's just great news. So much so that sometimes people are willing to take some chances with their health. It's like, ah, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be gathering yet. But you know, people are doing it because being together and having that human connection and creating memories together is more important than other things they might have previously thought were really important. So uh, helping our retail customers recover 
as fast as possible and as profitably as possible is what we're focused on. That's great. Great thing. Absolutely. Um, and yes, people definitely want to come together. Here in Austria last week, the restaurants opened again. So we have uh, now, a, let's call it soft opening. They just opened till 10 p.m. or so. And I know some people that said, well, we won't be at the first group of people going to a restaurant again. Mm -hmm. But exactly those people have been three yeah, or four right. times already. So right. yeah. this uh, is great. It's, it's, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Absolutely, it's really great. And I think this is uh, this is also in retail. Um, as as soon as everyone is open again, people will come back to retail. They of course are used to be online and have online experiences and buy online even more than it was before. I think we won ten years of digitalization. But on the other hand. Uh, when people can meet together, when people can have an experience offline, they will use it as well again. And uh, yeah. it's a good combination. A retailer needs to have a good web store and a good digital experience and a good offline experience. And mm -hmm. I think then it's a perfect combination. For some yeah. It, what, what is happening is something maybe none of us foresaw when the internet started to happen. So yeah. Amazon comes out and says, we're going to make it super easy. Yep. to get stuff sent to your home. Shopify comes along and says, well, we're going to make it super easy for brands to remain on brand, to own the narrative, own who they are, and do the same thing. And yep. Amazon has said, well, we'll get it to you really quickly. Shopify comes along and says, well, we're going to invest in a quick turnaround. And you see these two trend makers driving the entire market. But what's interesting is even for brands like Allbirds and Untuck It and a lot of these famous direct-to-consumer brands is they recognize that very thing that you're saying, which is, okay, great. We have great positioning. We have a product that people are in love with, but we still got to connect with our customers. And the best brands that do that create spaces for people to gather around. Lululemon, I, I, I need to double check on what this space looks like, but... I read that there are 25,000 plus or minus square foot flagship store in Chicago only has one floor of merchandise. The remaining floors oh, wow. are yoga, uh, meditation rooms, a restaurant. And at first glance, you're like, oh, that's weird. Lululemon's getting into yoga. Why would they want to do yoga? Why would they have a <laughs> restaurant? Well, as we see other brands do that, in the US, we have a brand called REI, which is a big outdoor equipment these places are becoming event spaces. They're curating community. And what I believe is happening is they know that as brands that have great products, if they don't bring people together around their brand, that they will be disregarded. Because I can get workout gear anywhere online. There's some great online-only brands that are just killing it. And so these brands that have this power to do so are saying, we know people want to come together and have moments together. And we want to have them associate that with our brand. And even small direct consumer brands like, hey, let's do some pop-ups. Let's do a community run. Let's, that's the kind of, those are the kind of customers that are flooding to our app because they and, recognize that. And what would you recommend for, especially those small ones, small and medium businesses, they don't have the budget for a big flagship store and experience. What will you recommend them to do to make their brand better, to sell more online or to sell more in total? <clears throat> yeah, we have this uh, 
PDF that um, when you when you sign up for our app, we automatically send it to you. It's called the Experiences Lab, and it's it's four tips to really capture people's hearts and minds through the experiential commerce. But I think the most important thing I would recommend people do is is say people don't care about the space. Sure, you you can have a neat space and create a theme and do all this really cool stuff and train your people to greet people really well, but and engage them and pull them in. But what I don't think a lot of small brands recognize is if you if you reached out to your small mailing list. Let's say you only have fifty people on your mailing list, and you said, "Hey, in the let's say it's in the Seattle area where we are." In the Northwest, we're going to have we're 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 renting some space in this kitchen, and we're going to have a cake making class. Let's let's say you're a direct to consumer cupcake startup, which we have those as well. We're going to do a cupcake experience, um, or you're you're an athleisure wear company, or it really doesn't matter. Whatever you can do to create a sense of community to bring people together is what you want to do. Because here's here's what retailers should really explore. Does it matter if people come together? Does it matter to your brand? And all evidence says that we're seeing that it does. When people get this thing out of a together time that's associated with you, you are going to be more successful. And that thing is connection, memory making. And um, if you read the book, um, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Okay, it's it's about happiness. Happy creating happy memories actively dispels anxiety, and even as those memories mutate over time, the association is always positive. Even even when the experience itself wasn't amazing, you tend to think of the things that were amazing about it, and brands have that opportunity to do that. So that that would be my number one thing is 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 create community. Another way to do that is through something virtually like Zoom. We we've seen some of our customers when we did a Zoom integration which um when when the way it works is you just authenticate Zoom into the app and you can choose for any given experience to make it a Zoom experience and we have some security features that for instance every time slot let's say if you have 5 a day or 5 a month it spins up a new Zoom URL with a new password and it makes it easy for them to log in. We are seeing customers who who are experiencing uh, upside because their customers are all over the world and they didn't even realize it, and they're willing to have these curated moments with them. So that's that's the first thing I'd say: J- just make an attempt. That's great. Uh, so the brand itself um, is it important for a store owner to focus on the brand itself? Or is it more important to focus on the community? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, what is a brand, right? Yeah. A brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room and all this. Um, years ago, I went to this seminar called this customer-centric business. And it was, I think, out of Stanford. And uh, it was a professor. This is something they taught at their school. And they they didn't say brand building is dead. What they said is... Brand is ultimately the aggregate of the customer experience. And the best way to get to a strong brand is to focus on a customer-centric model. And if we're doing that within the experiences space, we would have to ask ourselves, once again, does it matter to my customers if I curate uh, moments with them? And 
the, in my opinion, the best brand building is when you're offering your customer exactly what they want and exactly what they need. And sure, if you're selling, I mean, there's commodities. Hey, I'm just, I'm just selling pickles. I'm selling pickles. I'm, spell, I'm selling special pickles. I mean, we've, we've talked to pickle startups. I, you know, I just, these are, these are expensive pickles. These are, you know, uh, they're craft pickles. That's <laughs> what they call them. Craft pickles, great. Yeah, yeah, like craft beer, craft. We have a lot of wineries, distilleries, and uh, breweries that are using us. They're they're the they are the best classic experience economy style of businesses, in my opinion. But oh, I I could imagine to be on a brewery workshop. So <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, drink yeah. great beer and learn how to make beer and get a tour. It's the best. That's um, great. But could you do that with pickles? And the answer is absolutely. Yeah. And cool. so if you have a customer-centric model, you'd say, listen, it's just pickles, but what if I create community around pickles? It's the pickle community. And you could have a lot of fun with that, whether it's virtual or it's in person. So brand, great brand building happens when people are associating the best of times with your brand. Even if it's in the back room of a light industrial walk-up and it smells like brine and it's messy. Yeah. I love that. I really love that. When I sign up for something uh, or download something, there are often forced opt-ins. What do you think about forced opt-ins? Mm, oh, boy. So I used to be a lead generator back in the day. Yeah. Before I before I started a software company, I I would create leads for mortgage and auto insurance. And so that whole space of hey, we're going to give you something but first we make you do this or we want to show you our awesome stuff but you have to opt in before you see it. I mostly don't like that. I mostly think that it's um, kind of bending people's arms. However, some of my favorite direct-to-consumer startups say, well, hang on now. We're not going to show you all our awesome curated men's gear or outdoor stuff until you sign up for the mailing list. But what they'll say is, we deliver it through email. That's the way we do it. And I kind of roll my eyes and I think, well, I know you have an online store. Why don't you just show it to me? But then they'll say, but we... We cannot provide value to you really until we have your email address. So I, I'm, I'm kind of in between. I think there's, there's, there's ones that I'm kind of like, okay, I think you're a really cool bet. I think you're a neat brand. I'm willing to do that. And then there's others that I thought, I think, no way. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to... I'm not going to do what you want because this isn't important, important enough to me. I don't know. What do you think, Norbert? Yeah, um, I was laughing because uh, my, my, my team told me that you are not a big fan of the forced law, uh, opt-ins. And I know it's very common in, in any kind of space of lead generation. You always, before you download something, you need to provide the details and the email. And you know that you get another email newsletter blast or email sequence right. in your inbox when you do that. Um, I'm, I'm, I was really curious about what you think about it. Because yeah, I it's important. When, when you do lead generation, it's important. But on the other end... I think that um, if you make it really good and deliver the content required uh, or requested, um, and it's a good content, then the people come back anyway. Yeah, my goal, and I think everyone's goal should be to make to create such value, and just from the very first moment that people look at that and say, "Yeah, yeah, heck yeah, 
I want, I want in. I want some of that value. I understand the power of an opt-in. If you, if you capture someone's email address, as you know, you, you've got them. If you're, try, if, yeah. you, if you're saying, if you're counting on just finding them again on the internet, even through remarketing tactics, it's, the conversion rate is so much lower. And I've even noticed when, let's say, uh, I'm looking at a new piece of software or something like that, and I sign up, I'm like, well, I'm interested. One thing I, I do now is I say, well, I know if I sign up, if they're halfway good at what they do, even if I don't do my trial right away, they're going to hit me up again and remind me to do it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I wanted to try that. So these days I'm more, I know. <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of halfway and your, your team might've found an old tweet or something like that. Or, oh, you know what it was? They probably saw that tweet about Quora. That actually really did annoy me because I was looking, I was, I typed something into the internet. I was looking for an answer about something um, uh, on some topic and Quora popped up and then I was reading it and then a forced opt-in popped up right, right before I could get really get started in the, in the reading the answer. And Quora's like, you, you know, you need to sign up or you need to be logged in. I can't remember what it was. And it just, at that moment, it really irritated me. And the way they did it, I did not like at all. I was just like, yeah. come on, just let me read the content someone con- contributed here. So I think there's, a, there's an artistic way to do it. And I am a huge fan of email being the absolute best way to communicate with the customers that want to be communicated with. And if you have great yeah. opt-out and, you, and they know what they're getting, I, I, these days, I don't really have a problem with it. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of e-com uh, people are already very engaging with their customers more and more, um, more and more with emails. I'm, I have a lot of customers <clears throat> that still did not understand uh, how important emails are and not frequently sending those uh, newsletters, as you know, with just offers. I think if you provide really valuable content and help um, tailored to your brand, then it's uh, the perfect use case for every store owner to get more, uh, more, more engaged customers buyers that come back again and again um, and then you need not force them in it's more or less um, an honor to be in right at some point yeah there's some art to doing that well uh, brands that just say hey here's some you know if I <laughs> I always like to use this metaphor imagine so email is like be, it would, it, it's like before email, imagine if you had a brick and mortar store and a lot of direct consumer brands don't. And somehow you can magically reach your arms out and you can grab all your customers and just bring them to the front desk of your store. How do you want to greet them? Do you want to be like, hey, here's some new products. Here's 500 <laughs> products we have. Yeah. Okay. Or do you want to be, oh, wow, look at this neat product. Here's the story of how this product came to be, or here's the artist that created this thing, or here's a story about how people are using these running shoes on their trail running adventures um, and focusing on the narrative and the idea behind, even if you're selling other people's products, it's, hey, help me understand why this matters, why you matter, and how, how I can be a part of something bigger than myself. And that gets right back to the experiential side of commerce. People want to be part of something bigger than their everyday. They want to connect. They want to see how other... Social proof, in a way, is community building. Yeah. Like great brands are really good at saying, look at look at all the fun times people are having with our pickles. 
Look at these, look at these, these fancy gherkin pickles. This is the habanero pickle. Look how awesome it looks on a charcuterie board. I mean, those kind of newsletters that come, those are inspiring. And you can make pickles inspiring if you do it right in an email. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun. And I think people like to love. Everyone knows that people like to love. And this is, uh, yeah, really, really um, a bit more fun in the world uh, if the communication is done right. Thank you very much for your time. It really was a pleasure. Yeah. Um, learned a lot today. And uh, yeah, uh, I think, as you said, it's, it's important to, to make experiences, to allow store owners to make experiences an easy way to let people sign up for a class talking about the product, showing something off uh, that is interesting for them, that they get more and more addicted with your brand, with your community, with the things you do and sell. And this will increase the revenue at some point. Absolutely. And I would say any, any one of your listeners that uh, comes to us and signs up, I'd be happy to take a half an hour, uh, book a time with me, take a half an hour. We can talk story about your, your brand, what you're trying to do. Um, I can, we'll give you some hints and suggestions tuned to who you are and, and offer a little bit of your time to help you get set up. Just mention, mention this podcast. When you sign up, just hit us up through the chat and we'll, we'll give you a little bit of, uh, get a little bit of love over Zoom and get you set up. Awesome. Thank you very much. I hope you Thanks, really use that, people. Thank you very much for your time and good luck with experiences. Thanks, Norbert. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe rate and review. Until next time.